Um, this meeting is being recorded. Okay, thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Civic Design Review Committee today. It's May 16th, 2022, and it's 2.01 p.m. Could we please have roll call? Yes, uh, Commissioner Stryker. Present. Commissioner Liu. Present. Commissioner Schneer. <clears throat> Present, and I seem to be having some problem here with uh, controlling buttons, so I might have to uh, go out and come back in. Just let me okay. know. I'll okay, I'll keep an eye out. Uh, Commissioner Shiota. Present. And Commissioner Wolford. Present. Great. Uh, we have a quorum and also present uh, is direct Deputy Director of Programs Joanne Lee and Commission Secretary Alyssa Ventry. Okay, thank you. And I also want to welcome Commissioner Shiota to the CDR committee. Yay. Um, Yay. So um, this meeting is being held by teleconference pursuant to California Government Code 54953 and the 24 supplement to mayor proclamation declaring the existence of a local emergency. During the coronavirus disease emergency, the Civic Design Review Committee's regular meeting room 401 Van S. Suite 125 is closed. Meetings of the Arts Commission will convene remotely. Today, the Civic Design Review meeting is being streamed using the WebEx platform and will allow for remote public comment. While this technology allows us to hold these meetings remotely, may not be as seamless as we would prefer. There would be gaps, maybe gaps and delays as staff transition the technology between speakers. Please know that we're doing the best we can and we'll ask for your patience as we learn this new way of working together. Before we start, I'd like to remind us all about the policies and procedures for virtual public meetings. At this meeting, we're bound to follow the structure of our agenda and adhere to the best practices set out in the Good Government Guide. At every public meeting, there's a place for general public comment where members of the public make comment on any item pertaining to this body. In this case, please keep your pub general public comments to items under the purview of the San Francisco Arts Commission. For every item on the agenda, there's also a space for public comment pertaining to that item. Respectfully, we ask that you keep your public comment on topic. And last, a few virtual meeting housekeeping items. Commissioners and staff, if you have not already done so, please mute your microphones to minimize background noise. When you speak, you'll have to unmute yourselves. Commissioners, please raise your hand to be recognized to speak or ask a question. And if it's not already clear to me that you are the speaker. Also, please introduce yourself when you speak so callers on the phone know who's speaking. I'll now turn it over to our program associate Paris Coates for public comment instructions. Paris, it's yours. Thank you. Uh, the committee has strongly encouraged interested parties to submit their comments in writing prior to this meeting to art-info at sfgov.org. For members of the public who wish to make public comment on items on the agenda, the phone number to call is 415-655-0001. The access code for today is 2493-555. Uh, actually, no, I have, sorry, 2483-545-4930, and the numeric passcode is 2370516, which is a new addition. Uh, you'll be prompted to press pound twice. 
Your line will be muted, but you'll be able to hear it, the meeting in progress. You may also make public comment using the WebEx link. When you click the link, you'll be prompted to enter the following information, first and last name and email address. These fields are required. However, if you wish to remain anonymous, you may type public in the first and last name fields and public at public.com in the email field. Please make sure that you are in a quiet location and that all devices near you are muted so that there is no echo when you speak. At the appropriate time, the chair will ask for the public comment. For members of the public using the WebEx link, please click the hand icon to raise your hand. This will put you in the public comment queue. When you are called on, you will see a pop-up window on your screen to request to be unmuted. You must click the unmute button. For members of the public calling by phone, you'll be prompted to press star three when the public comment period opens. This will add you to the speaker line. When the system message says uh, you're being asked to unmute yourself, to unmute, press star six. This is your time to speak. When your microphone has been unmuted, you will hear us ask you to state your name and to make your comments. You are encouraged, but not required, to state your name for the record. I will start your three minutes when you begin talking using a visual timer. You will get a 30-second audible warning. When your time is up, I will say, caller, your time is up. At that point, I will put you back on mute. You'll be moved out of the speaker line and back as an attendee in the meeting unless you disconnect. You will hear your line has been muted. Participants who wish to speak on other public comment periods can stay in the meeting line and listen for the next public comment opportunity. We will pause briefly before closing public comment to ensure that no remaining commenters are seeking to speak on an item. Also, staff will ask for real-time public comment before reading emailed comments to ensure all members of the public have an opportunity to comment in real time. Any individual who speaks during a public comment period at today's meeting may email a brief written summary of their comment to be included in the minutes, if it is 150 words or less, to art-info at sfgov.org. As a reminder, the summary may be rejected if it exceeds the prescribed word limit or is not an accurate summary of the speaker's public comment. Public comment instructions will also be shared on the screen as you see here. Please note the WebEx system has upgraded and now you will now see a closed captioning feature. The controls for this feature are located at the bottom left of your screen. Also, the raised hand feature has changed. To raise your hand, hover your mouse over your name in the attendee list and click on the raise hand icon. And with that, uh, Commissioner Stryker, please begin the meeting when you're ready. Thank you. I'd like to start the meeting by reading our land acknowledgement statement, which was recently approved by the Commission in November 2021. The San Francisco Arts Commission acknowledges that we're on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Rametouche Ohlone who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatouche Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Rametouche community, and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. As a department dedicated to promoting a diverse and equitable arts and culture environment in San Francisco, 
We're committed to supporting the traditional and contemporary evolution of the American Indian community. So let's begin our meeting uh, also with calling for item number two. This is general public comment. Is there any general public comment? Uh, if you're calling, if you're already listening to this meeting via the web link, please raise your hand. If you're calling by phone, press star three to be placed in the queue. Please press only once since pressing it more than once will remove you from the queue. Instructions are on screen. We are currently on item two, general public comment. As a reminder, your time will start when you begin speaking. You will see a visual timer if you're listening in via WebEx and will be given a 30 second audible warning. You'll be muted once your time is up. However, you may stay in the line if you wish to speak on other items on the agenda. Any individual who speaks during a public comment period at today's meeting may supply a brief written summary of the comments to be included in the minutes. If it is 150 words or less to art-info at sfgov.org. Uh, looking for any hands raised. Um, I don't see any. Uh, there's no public comment, uh, general public comment. Uh, pu general public comment is now closed. All right, thank you. Then let's move to item number three, and that's the Sunil Valley Water Treatment Plant Ozonization Project. And this is phase one review. So team, are you ready to present? And team, just a reminder, you'll have 20 minutes uh, to present your project. Um, and I'll start the timer when you begin and I'll give you a three minute warning when your time is almost up. Hi, good afternoon, commissioners. Uh, Brian DeSore, I'm the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission uh, project manager. Uh, the item before you is for the Sonoma Valley Water Treatment Plant Ozonation Project. Um, we were um, at the commission for phase zero back in November of 2021, and we're here for phase one um, review. Um, and just to give you a recap, um, uh, the Snow Valley Water Treatment Plant is one of two uh, treatment facilities on the PUC's drinking water system um, that treats water prior to being delivered to our customers. Um, the ozonation project came about uh, because we've had um, some concerns or issues with taste and odor um, in our uh, Calaveras Reservoir and our San Antonio Reservoir uh, uh, rural water system. And this project will um, address those concerns um, um, to make sure we deliver um, high quality water. Um, so we'll, we'll get started with our presentation and going over the um, project details. Um, and I'll turn it over to Richie. Hello, can you guys see that? Yes. Okay. Uh, hello, my name is Reggie Stump and I'm with the Public Works Bureau of Architecture. Let me start the video if you can see me. There I am. Uh, okay, uh, so we're the architect on the uh, job, but we also have CDM Smith, who's the project lead and uh, an engineer. And then we also have Stevens and Associates as the landscape architect on the job, and they'll present later. Next slide. 
see going? No, it's not. There we go. Okay, so the site is located in Sonoma Valley, about 50 miles south uh, east of San Francisco in the Diablo Mountain Range. There we go. Uh, so on the image on the right here, can you see my cursor? Okay. So uh, the existing plant is located here in the Sonoma Valley. Uh, and as Brian said, it's between the kind of San Andreas Reservoir and the Calaveras Reservoir, which is just off the page here uh, in the Diablo Range with the Calaveras Road running east of the site. Uh, a view on the left is taken from kind of just north of the site looking south uh, to the existing plant. So our project site is this uh, triangular site here in the blue saturated area with the existing uh, plant uh, just north of our site and also just west of our site. And this photo, uh, I think, helps show kind of the sectional quality of the site. So Alameda Creek is running along right here. And it's uh, steep terrain from Alameda Creek to the east side of our site in the vegetated area and then continues up north another 10 feet to the existing site uh, to the west. Oops, wrong way. Um, so a site aerial view, again, our site is here, the triangular area in blue. Uh, the, the site is not, does not have public access, uh, so it's, it's all process plant. Um, if one does come to the site like I do, uh, you, the Calaveras Road right here is a public road, uh, and you enter right off of this road here, and there's a gate that uh, they let you in. And you drive kind of over the Alameda, uh, Alameda Creek up the steep terrain here, and you kind of go right in between uh, our site and these existing chemical area canopies, which you'll see later on in the presentation because we've created a similar canopy on our site up to the existing operations building uh, where you would check in. slow today. There we go. So this is just a site context from Calaveras Road. So you can see the existing plant uh, is quite hidden from public view and public access. So we have those existing canopies here, the existing admin building, and our site will be nestled right into this area. I'll turn my video off because it's being very slow. Oops, I'm going too far. 
Sorry about that. Wasn't this slow Paris when we tried it? Well, I'll try to just continue. So in phase zero, uh, we presented, or CD, CD, uh, CDM Smith presented uh, this design and what comments were to consider fire retardant and native plants. And I think uh, Stevens and Associates will address that. Uh, so the, here was the, exist, uh, the previous design. We have kind of four architectural facilities the liquid oxygen facility, the nitrogen uh, facility, and the calcium thiosulfate facility, ozone generation building, which is here, and the ozone contactor structure. So we didn't really move any of the facilities because of the tight site constraints, but a couple of things we addressed were the, the blue canopies here are, are were an outdoor space and now they're enclosed, so the canopies are not there anymore. And then we kind of just uh, kept developing the ozone generation and contactor structure. Um, now it went back. <laughs> so design precedents, we used, uh, so these, this is an existing building on uh, at the Sonol plant with the vertical siding, metal siding, concrete apron, and kind of the storefront, anodized storefront uh, used. And so our buildings are concrete, so we're not using metal siding, but we've kind of uh, extrapolated the vertical siding uh, into the concrete texture. So you'll see in the middle image here, we have kind of a ribbed concrete uh, next to uh, some flat concrete, which we've kind of picked up on in our design. And then the upper image is the actual formwork for the rib design that we have found that is uh, pretty close to the scale and texture of the metal siding. We also have board form concrete, and then we've also introduced skylights, round skylights for daylighting. So here's an updated aerial uh, from the phase zero to phase one. You can see the facilities are uh, all in the same location. Uh, a couple of things I'll just point out, there's a lot on here, but um, one thing is you can see the stupid thing. It's not like me. Sorry about this. There we go. Uh, so the blue canopies here, we've turned into just roofs with skylights at these ends because they're enclosed now. They're not an open air canopy like the calcium thiosulfate facility is. Also introduced these skylights. You can see skylights into the ozone generation building. And I'll show some more views of the development of the, the two buildings. Also got a kind of site movement around is here's the existing main plant uh, road with the west access road coming along here. And so we have chemical delivery trucks uh, one way coming through here to deliver chemicals to the two facilities here. Uh, here's a site plan, which um, Stevens Associates will go over more of the planting, but 
just wanted to quickly run through um, the liquid oxygen facility here. So basically there's liquid oxygen here that gets vaporized. It gets sent to the ozone generation building. And there's an ozone generation room, which is all process equipment. It's supported by the, the smaller rooms around it. And then the ozone is generated and pumped over to the contact structure, which is a very large concrete structure with basically these four basins of water that allow the, con the ozone to uh, make contact with the water to fil filter through, uh, to filter the, the tastes and uh, smells of the water with a gallery in the middle that has all the controls. So here's a view of the, uh, the the ozone generation building here, and here's a key plan here from the it's basically from the, the existing main plant road with our new access road here. Uh, so the ozone generation building has these large bifolding glass doors for unloading and loading uh, large equipment that's in these rooms. We've separated the massing or the ozone generation room because it's a large uh, open space. And then we have these smaller ancillary spaces, the mechanic shop, restrooms, and things like that. You also start to see the development of the ridged or the ribbed concrete above the flat uh, concrete here with the apron along, run along the base. On the left, you'll see just the beginning of the liquid oxygen facility and also the calcium thiosulfate facility, which is the open air canopy, and then the contactor structure, which you'll see more in the elevations. So the ozone generation building elevations, here we've called out the material palette, kind of a minimalist material palette with kind of textures. Again, here's the east elevation with the large bifold doors kind of the massing of the larger room with the smaller ancillary spaces wrapping around it. Uh, and then you also see this sectional quality of the, the site. So we have the existing access road is 10 feet above, like I said, and we have a retaining wall running around the entire building, except the east elevation, because we need access on all three sides. So there's kind of a path between the retaining wall and the building. And you can see the dashed line showing the sectional the retaining wall uh, on all three sides. So we picked, we basically picked up on a 10 foot datum for the large doors uh, and uh, created the, that was the datum line for the ribbed above and the smooth below. And we also strategically placed windows for on both sides of a room so that you can get two sources of daylight and also the skylights without affecting the process piping, because there's a lot of equipment in these rooms. And then we also have the ozone contactor structure. So you can see it's a very long building, 272 feet. Uh, we have uh, kind of board form concrete, smaller masses on the north and south side. And then it kind of wraps around on the west elevation with ribbed concrete above. And what you're seeing uh, as a pattern here is we've abstracted the kind of sectional quality of the con concrete basins where the water is at. 
And so these are literally the walls that are behind the elevation that water gets filtered into. So the ozone is injected into the water and the water literally flows up and down these baffles inside the, the wall. So we, because the elevation was so long, we kind of extracted the sectional quality into the elevation. But still using kind of the, the ribbed concrete is in between and then the flat concrete is used for the baffles. And just a quick view of the liquid oxygen and vaporized and vaporizing area, outdoor facility, and then a calcium thiosulfite facility, which is a, a canopy, and it's and it's blue because right behind these trees is an existing canopy uh, that is very similar to this one. And I'll show you on the next slide. This is the existing facility uh, on the site. Ours is smaller, but it looked very similar to this. And then, as Brian said, there's another facility called the Harry Tracy facility that SFPC runs, and this is the liquid oxygen facility. So it would look pretty much like this. And I think now I'll turn it over to Stevens Associates. Hello, my name is Grażyna Dwornik. Do you hear me okay? I'm not sure. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Uh, with me is Miles Stevens, my principal here at Stevens and Associates, and we would be talking probably together. Maybe Miles would start. Okay. Well, the overall landscape idea is to blend in to the natural surrounding there and um, to have a nice uh, accent over at the ozonation facility, which is the big um, building on the site. Uh, and so lots of natives would be utilized, drought-tolerant plants. And so, Gregory, you can describe the uh, layout. All right. Um, so most of the site is due to the regrading re for new facilities at the site. So wherever the grades change, we have some landscaping going on. Most of it is hydro seeding. Uh, which is that yellow color, kind of yellow-green, and only the area in front of ozonation um, structure, we got some garden. And the garden is made of semi-native and native plant material. We got few trees. We got two oaks, live oak. Um, species up there, and uh, we have ash, uh, raywood ash, and um, silk tassel tree, and so give it that um, natural um, blending with with the site uh, features. And uh, what we want to accomplish in that garden, because that would be the most kind of interesting. Uh, the other would be like totally blending with a surrounding area. So the hydro seeding would be um, grasses, mostly native grasses with 20% of wild flowers also from the area surrounded. So the site should look very natural after it's finished and um, germination would take place. So the front, only front area 
would have like two circles, what we think that is like water wells and would have one, one plant material growing in those circles. And that's possibly would be grasses or we could have lupin growing with the bluish color up there, giving that sense that the water, that the plant is about the water. And the tapestry of lower ground cover would add to the, a little interest. We have also a retaining wall, which is about 10 feet tall, surrounding uh, ozone generation building. And we want to um, soften that wall by green screen with the vines growing and that would protect also possibly um, um, from other elements. Um, Sorry um, to interrupt, yeah. uh, but you have three minutes remaining. Uh, okay, okay. So our plant material is mostly um, native and semi-native plants. Uh, is water um, um, wise, so it's drought, drought tolerant, low maintenance. Uh, we try to have like uh, year resistant plant material so why would life would not touch it that, that easily they would obviously eat anything when they are hungry but uh, and also the fire resistant plants so in in those aspects we kind of carefully pick the plant plants for for the area we have also um bioswale which is a little bit below, and that bioswale would have um, also like a, um, grass, grass uh, planting and, and some stones. And because of the complicity of, of the site, it was um, added apron around the facilities with granule, uh, like hardscape materials. So, so that that would um, be also added to the landscape. Hopefully that would be flattish area or slightly with the slope. So that's all what we have and welcome to any questions and we'll be glad to answer. Okay, thank you. Um, commissioners, any comments? Commissioner Wilford. Commissioner Wilford, did you have a your hand up? I'm sorry, I was on mute. Oh, okay. Famous words for COVID, right? My <laughs> apology. Um, first of all, thank you all for the presentation. It was really helpful in uh, helping us frame this. And a real quick question for Commissioner Stryker. Is this where we went on our one of our stops on the way to Hetch Hetchy? Well, I was going to ask you the same question, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure it was, and it was really a magnificent area. Absolutely yeah. Magnificent. I think it is. Um, Blair, if you're on, when when um, the PUC generously takes folks on the tour of the, the water system from the city to Hetch Hetchy, is this, is this where Commissioner Stryker and I stopped at one point? Uh, hi, Commissioner Wolford. Um, this hi. is actually a different location. Um, ah, the the, okay. the location for the the tour to stop is a, is in a town called Moccasin, for a, a little further closer up to the Hitachi Reservoir. 
you know, we did stop there, but we stopped at another place yes. too. I think this might have been the spot. Yeah. A very high tech um, area inside. Mm -hmm. There's another location, which is the Tesla water treatment plant, which ah. um, I, I, it's, if Brian is on and he could maybe answer this question better, but I don't believe that this is a typical stop for that, for that tour. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because it was beautiful countryside. Gorgeous. Um, well, yeah. really, just a few questions. If you go back to the site plan. This one? So, yeah, the site plan, perfect. So what I was wondering about is there's, it looks like there's five different axes if you look at the buildings. You see how there's the two ozone buildings on the top and there's, I'm not sure exactly, it's, it's hard for me to tell, like, is all of this brand new that's being inserted or some of it existing and some of it new? No, so this, it, so the, the buildings, the contact structure, this is new, the generation, these are all new. This is an existing uh, facility here, uh -huh. the pH alkalinity facility. This is an overflow basin that's existing. So those two are staying. And then this is being, it's its located there, but they're redoing the entire thing. So this is okay, basically all new here. So really, for, for my first uh, question was really an observation was more of a campus planning one. Uh, what I was wondering is, is, you know, the the architecture, and I, I'll leave it for Commissioner Stryker to talk about the landscape, because I'm not quite sure I fully understand it anyway, but. But I just had some questions about really the site. I'm going to call it the kind of mini campus design. So what I was wondering is, is there a way to reduce the number of axial orientations of the buildings and facilities on site? And so the one that's existing, the ones that are existing, obviously, are not going to change. And so one question is, is you see the two new facilities on top and like the the um, the two ozone buildings. And then there's that little piece you said that was existing that sits in between. And it's like about three degrees off. Mm -hmm. um, is there a way really it was a question for, you know, maybe the landscape architects and the architects to somehow fool the eye so that even though it might be a few degrees off, if there's a way to somehow look as if it's registered on a kind of, I know it's not a true, because north is to the kind of bottom, if you will, like at about, um, it looks like it's about four o'clock or 4.30 if you're looking at a clock north is. So what I was wondering is there a way to kind of register what looks like a more orthogonal axis above the road and then below the road have one rotation. So really the two new facilities that you're proposing down on the right-hand corner, uh, I'm not quite sure if it's possible to adjust the road and the those buildings in an axial orientation so that the existing facility, which is on a slight axial rotation, it looks like maybe 10 degrees of an axis you know, shift. It's that one facility you pointed out in the middle that's rotated. Mostly it was just a kind of broader campus planning question. Can we reduce the number of axes so that the organization of the new and the old seem to you know, have just, just a very simple kind of site rotation? And can the planting and the sidescape in support that. So that's one question. And then the next one is, if you go to the architecture of the two buildings that are the ozone facilities, so they, so they seem like, you know, the, the choice of materials seems totally logical and appropriate and quite handsome. Um, if you go to the other building first, 
So what I was wondering about is, you know, the move themselves are really reductive and thoughtful and the textures and materials seem really handsome and honest and intelligent. You see how there's the bigger facility and then there's like the little bustle on the side. And so it steps down in height and it also offsets somewhat in plan on the east side, but not on, and I guess it does on the west side. So it's hard to tell exactly, you know, what it's like, because we're only seeing it in pure elevation. And I saw you had a plan, but I was wondering if you all have a three-dimensional model of it. And really my question for this one is, is there a way to simplify the massing so you have fewer moves? I mean, and, and it's really, a que again, a question for you. Um, is there a way to align the parapet height so you have fewer step downs? Um, so you're just really, you know, having less, you might be building a little more wall, but you're actually building less steps in the roof and you're aligning everything. And could the functions that are slightly lower use, you know, the, that, or is there equipment sitting on top, which could be screened or whatever? So that was one question. Otherwise that, you know, the choices seem thoughtful and I, it just is like, could we simplify the moves? That was one. And then if you go to the other building, Uh, it's a similar question. So it has um, a kind of slightly deco proportioning, art deco proportioning with those kind of, you know, like the main building in the middle and the bustle on either side. And what I was wondering is, is if those are really program driven as opposed to the small bustles, which seem to track around programmatically, especially on the other three or the other four sides of the building, would there be a way to strike the line so that there's a kind of long line that ties those two pieces on either end together across the length of the building? And it seems like the, you said that there's kind of divisional walls inside, which I, I assume are part of the program you know, where what's happening inside, I, I guess they're going through these different chambers. Um, is the move up and down for those also following what happens and where those walls really are? Yes. It so is. the water line is like right about here. Mm -hmm. So the water literally just goes through these chambers. Mm -hmm. kind of a zigzag motion. Now, the idea of being able to telegraph that's kind of an interesting one. Um, I, what I was wondering is, is there a way just to simplify the moves and the massing and to somehow just give that a little more amplitude without it seeming idiosyncratic? You know, and the reason I say that is just because in the moment we live in, in the time of architecture, um, architects all too often, when we can't figure out how to make something really work, we fool the eye and uh, by throwing in lots of Ziggy pattern stuff, like we make everything like, you know, irregular. And so, um, and it's very much a moment in time. And since this building is going to be here for a very, very long time, I was just wondering if you guys could take a look at that and see if there's a way to tie the idea of the program function and sort of the overall organ organizational composition of the mass and the material together, just as another run through. That, and those are really my two comments on the buildings. Each of them have a comment and then on the, on the campus site planning. And I appreciate what you guys have put together. Uh, I think it's gonna be a nice project. Really nice, thanks. Thank you. Other commissioners comments? 
I see here. No hands up. Um, I had a couple of thoughts too that I wanted to share. Uh, I think when we met before, a concern was for wildfire. And so I really appreciate the the um, concept about um, wild, there's no such thing as fireproof plantings, but fire retardant plants. And I think that's great that you took a look at that. Um, one of the things that I think is um, a little bit of a concern in the design for me is all of the hydro seeding. I think some of that's really nice, but there's some pretty large spaces like between the two new structures. And I'm wondering, the hydro seeding might be just fine, but I'm wondering if that could also have, yes, that area, if that could also have more trees to try to pull that, those um, buildings together to connect them visually with, like, say, the Quercus agrifolia. Yes. Um, good scale oak. Yeah, I think we're going to look into that. The one thing we that you don't see here is all the underground infrastructure. <laughs> Ah, so we were, we were, we we're going to probably investigate that in the next phase, but there's a lot of the pipes and a lot of tanks underneath this area uh -huh. here. Okay. So, so that explains the big. Yeah. I, I would think that the um, large expanse of hydro seeding and low ground covery stuff is pretty large though. So I would encourage you to look at how you might use shrubs if you can't introduce some trees, at least maybe in some swaths close to the buildings to start to link them a little bit and give some relief. Um, what else did I have? I had one other note. In the circles that you have at the entryway for different planting, could you explain that again? I wasn't, I was listening intently, but I didn't understand it. And Commissioner Wolford, if you need to jump in, I see your hand up. I'll wait till you're done. I just wanted to follow up with one. Yeah, we wanted to introduce a little bit some different elements than is in the nature. Make the reason why that path goes around and um, also give some symbolic symbolic meaning to it and give some a little bit new new twist to to that garden. So that was meant to be a little bit the race uh, area for for um, oneness of plant uh, plant material in in those circles, and that was like thinking about the well well of water or or something like um, connected with the name of that facility or that campus here. So. That's one of the top, but we welcome to any comments on it. Okay. Um, I think that it's nice to introduce some fun things like that, but for me, it just doesn't read. Um, it doesn't seem to convey the meaning that I think that you are trying to share with, with uh, employees that work here. I'm wondering if you want to convey water, if maybe what you do is put the plants that have the most water use or the greenest around the walkway as if it mm -hmm. firm it up a little bit. Yes. That yes. might be one way as if someone's walking through a, an area that's a little bit of, of a mini riparian area. 
I would yes. make sure that your plants are in nice swaths of texture and color. Yes. I think that would make a, a lot, that would go a far way in making this feel like a, a special place. Okay. Commissioner Wolford. I was just gonna mention that, you know, my comment around, um, I, I thought that the idea of, you know, introducing the kind of program driven aspect of that one building, it's hard for me to see, it's the ozone contractor. contractor, yeah. Onto, into the architecture is really is really interesting. I know that in, in my own practice, when I do something like that, I tend to bring on someone who's a, a, a really good experienced design thinker. And um, fortunately, the Arts Commission is blessed to have one of the most brilliant and talented graphic and visual you know, design thinkers, uh, Commissioner Liu, you know, that I've ever uh, come across. And so I would ask that the design team uh, have a informal with Commissioner Liu, and I think it's Commissioner Stryker, if she's willing, to just look at some of these key aspects about the, the site, the landscape, and then also the interpretation of the program into the design of that facade. It's, it's an interesting idea, and I would love to hear Commissioner Liu's thoughts about it, but I just think she would just, a little bit of her time could be invaluable for your design team. Commissioner Liu, do you have a thought on that, or would you like to meet for an informal? Would you be willing to do that with the team? Absolutely, yeah. Thank you, Commissioner Walker, and thank you, Commissioner Stryker. I'd be very delighted to help in any way to shape up the visual, uh, especially the coherency of the uh, landscape, and as well as the uh, branding visual design aspect. So I'm very happy to be contacted, uh, happy to do it either virtually or offline when I'm here. Thank you. Thank you. Sounds good. Team, you'd be willing to do that. That sounds great. Yeah. Okay. Um, is there any other commissioner comment? Is there any public comment? Um, <clears throat> if you're already listening to this meeting via the web link, please raise your hand. If you're calling by phone, press star three to be placed in the queue. Please press only once since pressing it more than once will remove you from the queue. Instructions are on screen. We are currently on item three, Sunil Valley Water Treatment Plant Ozonation Project. As a reminder, your time will start when you begin speaking. You will see a visual timer if you're listening in via WebEx and will be given a 30 second audible warning. You will be muted once your time is up. However, you may stay on the line if you wish to speak on other items on the agenda. Any individual who speaks during a public comment period at today's meeting may supply a brief written summary of the comments to be included in the minutes, if it is 150 words or less, to art-info at sfgov.org. I'm looking for any hands raised. Uh, I don't see any. Uh, there's no public comment on this item uh, and public comment is now closed. Okay, thank you. Um, commissioners, um, this project as we see has some, some great promise and needs a little bit of, of tweaking, which we could do in an informal, happy to meet informally. Um, do I have a motion to approve phase one review of the Sonola Valley Water Treatment Plant Ozonization Plant? 
I make the motion to approve with the following conditions that an informal be held um, with Commissioner Stryker, Commissioner Liu, and that the um, and that the site design and landscape design just be given a little more critical thinking, and that the massing and or compositional um, experience design, let's call it, of that contractor building be looked at as well. But it seems like those are things that all can be handled without asking you guys to come back. Mm -hmm. Does that sound okay to you, Kimberly? Do I have a second, commissioners, for that? Second, Kyoto. Okay. Um, could we have a vote, please? Yes. Uh, Commissioner Stryker? Aye. Commissioner Liu? Aye. Commissioner Shioda? Aye. Commissioner Schneer? Aye. Commissioner Wolfert? Aye. Uh, the motion passes unanimously. Great. Thank you. We look forward to meeting with you, team. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Thank Bye, you. Blair. Okay. Bye. Bye, Blair. Thank you all. Okay. Then let's move to item number four, and that's the Ocean Beach Climate Change Adaptation Project. And this is coming to us for a phase two review. Team, are you ready? Yeah, uh, project team, just a reminder, you'll yes, have 20 are. minutes to present, um, and I'll give you a three-minute warning when your time is almost up. Great. Thank you. Great. Thanks, James. If you could just start sharing your screen. Yeah. I'll just get started while he's loading that up. Uh, good afternoon, commissioners. Uh, my name is Monica Scott. I'm a project manager from the Recreation and Parks Department for the open space elements of this multi-agency uh, project, the Ocean Beach Climate Change Adaptation Project, which is led by the PUC. Uh, this project involves the removal of the Great Highway between Sloat and Skyline in order to install structural protection for vital PUC wastewater infrastructure that is currently at risk due to sea level rise and erosion as well as allow for a multi-use trail, parking lot, and restroom to be constructed in the place of the Great Highway. As a brief recap, this project received concept and phase one approval in the spring of 2021, and we had a productive follow-up informal meeting regarding this project last month. Uh, we've held two community meetings for this project, and the artist selection panel for the public art component convened last Friday for panel one. Uh, joining me in presenting today is James Munden of Munden Fry Landscape Associates, Paul DeFreitas, Public Works Architecture, and Solange Guillaume, Public Works Landscape Architecture. I'll now pass the presentation over to James. Thank you. Thank you, Monica. Can everyone hear me okay? Yes. Great. Thank you. Um, thanks, Monica, um, and good to see everybody again. Um, this is the second time we're, we're here to present, and we had a good informal session as well. Um, and, and I think we're just going to go over some of the, the development since our last presentation. Um, and I think overall, in general, I think you know the trail system itself and the open spaces um, that we that we have along along this um, uh, path system uh, are pretty much 
you know the, the same i think we've we've developed the um the slope plaza uh, a lot more and we we'll definitely will be focusing on that today uh, as well as just kind of showing you different areas along the trail just to kind of demonstrate the continuity of design materials and design language that um the user will experience as they kind of move from from one end to the other the the exhibit that we see is um you know showing the full extent of the the new trail system slope plaza on on the left hand side um and skyline parking lot on on the southern end and and i'm just going to kind of look at a few little enlargements that kind of show uh the um the different spaces and and slope plaza says that kind of that main kind of gateway space which um you know is at slot uh, and the great highway this will be um have a connection from um from that intersection um taking you through and and allowing um a variety of users so it's a multi-use trail um both bikes uh, pedestrians will be using this and i think something that a parameter that we've needed to to kind of consider and incorporate is making sure that the trail um, does not go less than 20 feet and that allows for a good you know separation of users as well as providing the right dimensions for for maintenance vehicles uh, and emergency services so we have the slope plaza and then you'll see also the um, the zoo kind of intersection space which is another opportunity for for pedestrians and users to to kind of get off the main trail and have a moment of you know looking at the view and um, and as I say kind of a, a slightly wider area there for for people to to congregate um, and you'll start to see uh, a similar paving pattern that is repeated this is a paving pattern that is running um, due you know uh, east-west um, and that repeats itself whenever there's these moments along the trail just to help with orientation and and wayfinding uh, and these, these special moments the next slide just a little bit further south shows you this other moment where there's an opportunity to get beach access taking you down to to the beach um, the this is a again another place where the, the the trail is a little bit wider allowing for for people to to stop and and, and take a moment to, to check out the view and and even if you're not going down to the to the beach there's still an opportunity to to sit uh, and, and kind of be part of that experience and then further south is the um kind of the trailhead if you will uh, at skyline parking lot opportunity where there's a drop-off um, again more opportunities for seating um, and and I think something that you'll see throughout this is this kind of green band that is running along the, the service road which is providing that more commuter faster bike um, lane uh, and there's an opportunity to kind of exit that that point at this at this um, at this juncture at the uh, skyline uh, and you also get that at the, at the plaza as well which which we can look at now the so this this shows you the the latest plan of slope plaza and we have um, a few views as well renderings to kind of help illustrate that the uh, the restroom is located approximately in the middle of the plaza acts as that kind of threshold and as i said there's a good good dimension of at least 20 feet between the between the restroom and the um the western seawall and and i think all of these walls um it's important to note are 
you know have opportunities for sitting on we do have um actual sitting seating area benches which have armrests and backrests um, noted in in the black graphic um so that provides good um accessible opportunities but i think um it's important to note as i say that there's there's lots of other opportunities to sit as well um and so I think um, a big part of the design is really that this this plaza, as I say, is is the kind of opening um, to the trail uh, from Slope Plaza, from from the intersection, and and it really is the opportunity to to take on um, um, check out the views and and really again have an opportunity to have a good buffer between um, the West Side Pump Station and the Service Road. So I think an advancement since we last were. Um, presenting um, was to increase that buffer and, and have more opportunity for planting and it really does feel like the when you're walking in the space really feel like the the dunes have been kind of split apart and this space is kind of open like a fissure there um, which really kind of gives people feeling that they're immersed in that in that um, in that environment whilst also kind of keeping people off the the, the dunes and any of the um, the planting work that's being kind of uh, revegetated. These series of views that um, start to take you over the intersection, you can see the restroom uh, and the service road and then the west side pump station. Um, and then as you kind of walk over that pedestrian crossing, you um, you start to kind of, uh, your views is opened up and you see the restroom here and, and then this kind of um, sinewed um, kind of paving um, and planting edge which again is a great opportunity for creating this buffer between the west side pump station and the plaza um, and we have some good exhibits that Solange and Coa will discuss relating to the planting palette and the strategy that will repeat itself throughout the, the trail system. Uh, and again, I think I'm just pointing out that there's these opportunities for sitting on this wall, not only at the designated bench locations, but also just anywhere along the, the wall system. The, the use of materials, um, we need to be very robust and there's going to be um, cast in place integral colour concrete with school jointing. Um, there's this banding, as I say, which is kind of marking that east-west orientation. Um, and, and I think as you kind of go through the trail, as I say, that, that pattern is repeated when there's these special moments. Uh, and you can see the little um, kind of circle um, oval there which is uh, opportunity for public art and we've we've kind of going through the process with the arts commission in in the artist selection process which is exciting uh, and so yeah we're we're looking forward to seeing how an artist will interpret um, um, you know an opportunity for this space and and this then just kind of is a little bit further down looking back at the restroom and i believe this kind of is a good segue uh into um allowing paul to start discussing the the redesign and and some of the changes that have occurred on on the restroom so i will uh, pass over to you all right thank you james um so if you can just go back one slide sorry it's uh, i don't have control of the presentation here um, very similar to what we showed in the in, in the informal and and remains uh, quite true to what we had in phase one. Um, the principal change, of course, has been the redesign of Slip Plaza, as James has discussed, and having to relocate the building for um, a lot of infrastructure that was uh, that was underneath. The spirit of what we've uh, previously um, uh, envisioned still remains intact here. So what we've done with with James's team is really integrate better how the the, the sinuous uh, wall 
of the um, uh, of, of the planting edge against the service road meets the building and how those things come together. We've also, um, you know, developed the building a little bit further from a, from a technical perspective and from a design perspective with feedback from from Rec and Park. So one of the things that we had before um, was uh, a, a side sliding garage door system. And actually currently what we have, will, it'll become a bifold garage door system and you'll see it on the, on the next elevation. You can go to the next slide here. Um, so uh, just go back one, James. Yeah, so this was the elevations at phase one that we showed. So initially we had a copper roof shell with a skylight um, into the restroom. Um, and if you go to the next one, and as we showed this at the uh, um, at the informal, um, now we have eliminated the copper or the um, the skylight into the restroom, and what we have is a photovoltaic roof system. Um, we actually we have to be providing our power for the restroom 100% off grid, so uh, the PVs are are kind of designed down to. Uh, down to the wire to be able to get us the the necessary power we need to back up our batteries and uh, and power the facility in, in worst case scenarios. Um, other than that, the um, materiality remains very similar in terms of its spirit. Um, in working with Rec Park and their need for um, uh, anti graffiti coatings on on all of their surfaces, where we initially had a copper uh, shell on the roof, we have uh, now um, we're going with a Kynar coated standing seam aluminum, um, which the the product that we're actually looking at actually has a a metallic grain to it, um, so it is very um, it, it feels like a like a genuine metal. Uh, however, it will be able to to tolerate the type of anti graffiti coating that Rec Park wants to put on this without. Um, uh, potential future damage or uh, interrupting the, the, the patination process of natural copper. Um, if you go to the next slide, um, the plan remains very similar to, um, to what we had before at, at phase one. Uh, the one change you can see is where we had a rolling side sliding garage door. We now have a, a, a bifolding system. Uh, it's all clad in the same slatting system that covers the clear story which is all um, uh, two inch by four inch Akoya wood slats. Go to the next uh, slide. And here you can see those, uh, those slats in more detail. So the clear story around is all two by four Akoya slats um, that, are, that are spaced two inches apart. The concrete walls, um, you know, tying into everything that's going on in the landscape are uh, going to be sandblasted. I mean, the whole site is going to be sandblasted by nature. So we're, we're going to be uh, jump-starting that process and going with a sandblasted uh, uh, concrete. Um, the photovoltaic panels that you see, and then the, the, the standing seam aluminum roof that form the shell structure. Um, and then the structure remains as it was uh, initially with uh, glue lamp beams and, and CLT uh, for the structural system. Go to the next slide. And then I will turn it back over to Solange and Koa. Thank you, Paul. Um, so this is just a quick review of our planting palette and a discussion of um, you know, choices and changes that have been made since the last review. Um, 
Our design intent, again, about the planting palette for the site is to use a, a fully native dune palette. Um, and we're curating the plants so that they fit the location type on, of the site and the plants are robust. And they provide a spectrum of flowering color throughout the year. And you can see these um, uh, floral bloom calendar charts on each of the planting palette pages. Um, <clears throat> And, and much of our plant palette has been informed by our communications with Peter Bay, um, who is an independent ecological consultant, and he's provided a, a knowledge specialization, special, specialization of dune plantings that has been um, uh, integral to our choices and um, the, the work that we've been uh, doing for the planting design. Um, in our last informal meeting with Commissioner Stryker, we were asked to make sure that the plant palette was congruent with the National Park Service plant palette um, nearby at Fort Funston. And um, the thing to note about that, uh, we've been going through a process of vetting this plant, plant palette with the NPS representatives. Um, two people in particular we've worked with are Michael Chasse and Alyssa Shore. And, um, it, and this is partly because they'll be uh, um, hosting our, our um, plant propagation at the GGNPC nursery at Fort Funston. Um, and they'll be hosting not only the pro uh, propagation for the planters on site, but um, for the plants that are also going to be on the west side of the trail, um, which will be primarily Elemis mollus in a pretty large quantity. Um, and they'll be hosting a, on Fort, the Fort Funston Nursery a, a propagation site. So these will be plant, plants that are not in containers. Um, just as a quick review of the sites um, that have planting on our project, the key areas being the slope plaza planters, which is this first slide that you're seeing, um, the stormwater infiltration basins, which are near the zoo entry, and that'll be the next slide. And then lastly, um, the parking area planters. So that's the, the third slide of planting. Thank you very much for advancing that. Um, and just uh, to uh, provide a quick overview at the Slope Plaza planters, we'll be using some small stature trees, Pacific wax myrtle, um, as well as beach wild rye that kind of provides a seam of the beach grasses through these plantings so that there's connectivity between what's planted on the west side of the trail and on the east side of the trail. Um, and also we'll be using a variety of, of flowering plants of forbs. Um, in the infiltration basins, it'll be slightly uh, smaller stature plants, um, uh, shrubs and forbs, primarily with some beach grasses that would be used in the bottom of these infiltration basins. Um, and as a side note, these basins are kind of currently under review. We're still um, working out some of the details about how they'll function. And then lastly, in the parking lot, we'll have um, some Monterey cypress trees. We will be using some uh, tree canopy there and uh, the Pacific wax myrtle, as well as uh, flowery uh, plants and shrubs. Um, and uh, just uh, to reiterate, and James brought this up earlier, but just a, a good visual of the slope plaza planters is I think one of those earlier slides, um, slide nine or slide 11. Um, and that just shows what those plants might be look, looking like next to the restroom. Um, you can see it here. Yeah, yeah there. Um, on the left-hand side, you can see the um, Pacific wax myrtle kind of as a screening element, and then the grasses run as a seam throughout the planter. And then closer to the public are the flowering um, plants. And we'll have some flowering shrubs throughout as well that will kind of add that pop of color um, dispersed through the planter. 
And one thing to uh, other thing to note is we anticipate these plants um, to move and shift over time because dune plants work that way. So um, this is not a static thing. Once these plants are in place over time, they will they will you know alter their location. Some may become more dominant than others, and that's just um, something we anticipate. So this is you know a snapshot will be the planting um, plan, but then you know years down the road it might not look the same. <laughs> and I'll shift the uh, presentation back over to James. Uh, Great. Just to interrupt, sorry, you have three minutes remaining. Perfect. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, so I think the, the rest of the slides really just kind of go beyond Slope Plaza and just give you, give you a few extra visuals um, just to see how how the um, uh, the design kind of evolves and continues. Um, this is this particular area is um, what we're calling the a pinch point. So it's a it's an area which has to kind of deal with a limited space um, between the service road, uh, the trail, and then the dunes on the left. Um, and so I think something that we're we're mindful of is kind of really kind of having good um, good signage, good kind of um, delineation of edges. Um, all of the design needs to be able to be very robust and be able to cope with ongoing um, maintenance. As I've mentioned, you know, there's going to be a lot of sand uh, clearance that will be needed. Um, and depending on this time of year, that may be more intense uh, for some times. And, and so there's there's a real need to, to really kind of be mindful of, of what materials we use. Um, as I say, when when we can have these special moments, this in this case being the, the zoo intersection area, uh, we do have that opportunity to expand that space, allow for people to to sit and, and as I say, kind of um, take in that view um, and be a good meeting spot. Um, and the the bioretention areas, just just to kind of as you know, to kind of point those out, are are these kind of central central kind of planting zones here between the between the service road and the trail, and some of these kind of cut throughs are purely more for for maintenance, staging, and and access um, to kind of you know enter these these spaces and and for um, the different agencies to do their work without interrupting the user experience along the trail. And then this view is just looking at the that zoo intersection, and again just seeing the uh, the similar kind of continuity of that paving pattern, um, and the the low walls, um, which not only are providing those opportunities for a bit of a backrest at places, but also helping with that sand uh, and preventing that sand to migrate too far into the space. And then this, this slide here just kind of gives you a little bit of a plan view of that beach access area. Um, a slight little bulb out there, a little lookout moment, and then that, that access takes you down to the beach. And then it's a little bit further up, we, we have the skyline drop-off area, almost like a trailhead for the parking lot. Um, and, and that parking lot um, is kind of, you know, that main connection or that vehicular connection from skyline allowing people to to kind of enter the trail system and, and park and and kind of head off north and and that, that concludes our presentation so um, hopefully that's given everybody a, a good insight into some of the design changes and evolution since we last met and we're all happy to to field any questions you may have thank you um, one question I have and I want to ask our commissioners to have their comments too is before there was a stair down, has that changed? I didn't see any that, stairs down the no, beach. 
That's correct. Um, those those renderings were were in were in slightly in flux. We were just modifying them so they didn't feature today. But they are that stair system is is still in the project. Um, so yes, they will still be beach access down down at that point. Okay, because we would want to see them. They were being discussed. All right, thank you, commissioners. Um, Commissioner Shiota. Hi, thank you so much for the presentation. Um, I didn't see, uh, I'm new on this uh, committee, so thanks. Uh, um, I haven't seen this project before. It's, um, it's really beautiful. Uh, I love the shape of the bathroom, um, the materiality, the landscaping. Um, are you guys going to have lighting and are you guys going to have um, uh, any kind of skateboard deterrent? And I don't, are the hours like, is this closed at night or what's the, uh, what's the programming of it? Mm -hmm. Um, I think initially the lighting, we, there is some very modest lighting, which we're currently coordinating at the moment amongst uh, all the different agencies, in particular, the National Park Service, making sure that any lighting is respecting the night skies. Um, we, we're just concentrating some lighting at the plaza and then a little bit at the, the zoo intersection and at the parking lot. So for the majority of the stretch, it's going to be, um, you know, it will be dark. Um, and so I think there's still discussion as well with the service road, whether there's going to be any ambient lighting coming from there too. Um, but yes, that, that, as I say, that lighting is, is in, in, in development as we speak. Yeah. And the restroom itself will have very minimal lighting, uh, on the exterior. I mean, everything really needs to be, you know, dark sky compliant, um, uh, given where, where we are. Um, the only lighting that we're envisioning on the exterior of the restroom building would be some. Uh, minimal downlights within that copper colored canopy that uh, kind of delineate the entries and kind of provide for security. Um, so you can see, make sure you see the entry. And there, there will, James, you want to speak to the skateboard deterrence? Yes, yeah, the renderings don't reflect this, but um, we we have um, um, an embedded kind of imprint along the wall, which will be uh, every two or three feet, I think, just to meet the normal kind of standards of wheel stops, um, skate stopped. Um, but yeah, rather than having a, a, an add-on, we're wanting to do a form de depression um, to kind of create that that kind of deterrent. So that will be featured throughout all of these kind of low walls that run along the whole trail system. Um, I think one of our renderings does show that um, a little bit in section. Let me just go to the pinch point. Uh, ah, there we go. So, sorry, went a bit too far. This is um, um, Jeff just showing that kind of design intent. So this is kind of like an imprint, which, as I say, is kind of creating enough of depression, which will will work. And and it's important to note as well that this is going to be a lot of sand here, um, moving and constantly kind of cleared. So that does kind of help us, I think, a little bit with um, skateboarding deterrents. Um, obviously, there's going to be the few that do, um, but I think um, we feel fairly fairly confident that the different measures we're putting in place and the conditions will will create a, a good uh, inclusive environment for everybody all users and i believe the last part of your question was regarding park hours so this would follow typical rec park hours which is uh, 5 a.m until midnight the restroom will have reduced hours to that um but yes for the park itself unless it goes to the rec park commission those are our standard hours Thank you. Commissioner Schneer. 
Hi. Uh, yes, thank you. Um, this is uh, the project is developing beautifully. You guys are doing a wonderful job, and I think this is going to be a really incredible, wonderful addition for the city. So uh, congratulations to all around. Um, a couple of questions. Uh, first of all, the zoo intersection, how exactly is that working? And where the zoo would have um, you go back onto the Great Highway, it's not going to be from the parking lot. It's not going to be able to do that now. So how is that going to work? And how is the intersection with the zoo going to work? Sure, yeah, I can speak to that. Um, so just north, uh, sorry, rather east of the Westside Pump Station, that entrance to the parking lot will become an entrance and exit. Right. So that will become a two, two way. Um, and at, uh, I believe it's number 13 there, that's still dependent on what the zoo, the zoo is still um, undergoing their own review process for how they want to integrate. Um, but we have it set up so when should they wish to improve or enhance that pedestrian uh, approach to the zoo, that's what that's there for. Okay, thanks. That that helps a lot with understanding how that's going to work. Um, <clears throat> and then there was uh, also in terms of, um, so you were talking about the hours and stuff in terms of the um, the restrooms, is there a way that they can be closed off after a certain hour or not? Oh, yes, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Or Paul, the rest speak to the yeah, sure. Uh, the, the, the restrooms themselves have um, have a sliding gate system. Uh, okay. Maybe go to the floor plan. Um, there okay. you go. So you can see that the the sliding gates actually. Uh, we spent a bit of time, you know, developing this detail a little bit further. Uh, but those will close off, and during the day when they're open, they will tuck away and be concealed by this concrete wall. So um, it feels very open, and at night it will be secured off. You know, as long as you have that plan up, uh, another question too, it looks like every single one of these uh, bathroom stalls is a handicapped one. Is that correct? That's correct. So they're, they're all, every one of them is all gender and they are all accessible. So I'm just curious, uh, was there a thought to maybe only having one or two uh, hand, uh, handicap accessible and so you can get more washrooms in there or, or was there any the thought? that way there was but the number of the number of restrooms kind of came from rec park in terms of what they needed to be able to provide the public and what they uh, could maintain and manage um, so the five restrooms uh, was the, the the number programmatically that that we needed um, uh, to, to provide okay I just I that was also yeah go ahead. I, I would, that was in accordance with what was in the National Park Service restroom that's currently there as well serving the area. Yeah, I'm just wondering in terms of uh, because of the largeness of them, people utilizing it for other things. That's all. Yeah. So uh, that was my why I asked the question. And that is a concern. But, you know, it's what it is. Okay, um, I think those are my only questions on it. Um, I think your choice of materials, your change of uh, some of your materials and stuff, I think is very well thought out um and um should be quite handsome so i applaud you thanks commissioner wilford 
Thanks. Hey, uh, okay. Sorry, I was just making sure it wasn't muted. Um, first of all, thank you all. I think this is going to be an extraordinary addition to the oceanfront for San Francisco. I mean, really, really special. And I just had a few observations and comments. One is Paul DeFreitas. Um, thank you. Every time you show up, there's an intelligence and artistry to what you bring in front of us. And we just really appreciate your public service and the architecture you create for the city and county. Um, and then the only other question I really had was just, it's about the patterning. It was really a question for Commissioner Stryker in the, um, in that kind of colored integral concrete patterning. You know, I know that there's a kind of precedent like Roberto Burley Marx for these kind of big geographic patterns at the beach. And of course, Peter Walker used stripes, I think, even to this day, his studio does. And so my question for you was, um, is does this feel right? The kind of big super graphic stripe in in this in this instance. I I, I don't have the answer. I was really mostly mm -hmm. curious as to what Commissioner Stryker thought. Well, I'd like to hear more from the designers about that. Um, it, it's not yeah. perfect, in my opinion. It's not perfect, but it's a difficult type of patterning to work with in this kind of situation. So, let's hear from the designers. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, and we and yeah, we definitely. Um, you know, kind of gone through a lot of different iterations with paving patterns. And I think there was always that, that kind of balance of creating a ground plane that had some contrast to the very sinewy curved patterns of the, the, the planting edges and the, the Western retaining walls. Um, so we wanted it to have some contrast there just so that, the, that those edges really did read more more um, eloquently and, and as I say, had that contrast. I think the we had some, as I say, we I think probably very early on when we first started doing it, there was more of a concentric pattern, but um, that was kind of coming off offset from from the intersection as that initial approach as you were walking through. Um, but I think the more we we looked at this, and and again, you you kind of mentioning other designers who you know who do often like a strong kind of grid pattern. There was something there about that repetition that we felt was appropriate, especially with regards to, um, as I say, kind of bringing attention to that east west kind of orientation. Um, that, that kind of obviously, you know, everyone is there to see the see the sea and and take in the beautiful views. So we we didn't want it to be overly patterned, but still have some rhythm that you knew that you were kind of entering a, a little bit more of a special place where you could stop and 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 kind of um, get off the main kind of path uh, and be able to kind of take in and gather others. So um, I'm not sure if that completely answers your question, but. Um, it is something that we've, you know, the rhythm of it and how 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 far we, you know, we stretch some of these patterns has definitely been explored. But um, I think the last iteration we did kind of modify it so that the restroom itself, where that was placed, there was some kind of connection there with that pattern, so that the restroom was sitting within within some of those those bandings, um, and so to make sure that that was considered and, um, yeah, well thought out. Do you, um, Commissioner Wolford, do you think that the patterning should be changed or? Well, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's, this isn't really my area of expertise. The only, I mean, I, I've just, you know, it, the moment I saw it, it, and I think it is a little different, James, from what you shared another time, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. My question was, is when you described the fissure and the kind of rolling wall and yeah. the benches, all of that seems just like, it all seems so effortless and logical. It seems really, really thoughtful. And I just, and I think that, and the 
I think the bathroom as a kind of counterpoints, a really beautiful gesture, really, really elemental and very thoughtful. Oh, and Paul, one comment for you is, is just one thing in the spec is to make sure that, you know, nowadays there's a range of opportunities for those PB cells and they can either look blue uh -huh. or they can look gray or they can look black or they actually can come in colors now. Yeah, we are looking yeah. at that based oh, on our, our comment that you had in the informal, we are looking at the efficiency and what the color options are with our roof. So really, James, it was just a question of mm -hmm. um, maybe the scale of it and just the, yeah, I, you know, I don't have an answer. It was a question for you all. I mean, sure. I think the idea of it's really, really strong. And I just wondered about the scale of the, I, mm -hmm. I guess it's just because I always just think when I see giant stripes, I think of Peter Walker. <laughs> Because I don't think Peter Walker's ever done a project without giant stripes. So, uh, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Maybe you worked for Peter Walker. Not to, well, Peter I, Walker's I, I, a very gifted landscape designer. No, and he's an, he was an architect at first, right? By and so he he loves those kind of that rhythm and straight lines. And and my business partner Martha Fry, you know, she did work with him twenty five, thirty years ago. So she definitely has, I'm sure, positively been influenced by his aesthetic too. Um, but I think you know. And I, and I agree, you know, that 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 kind of rhythm, that that repetition and the scale of that is is, a, is, a, is an important point. And I think it's interesting when you do see it on a from a from a person's standpoint, like this view, it I think, you know, at the moment those bands are 10 foot wide. Um, and I think a lot of that, you know, not only was it coming from a constructability of thinking of the school joints, this is, you know, cast in place, wanted to make sure that we could work with that, that regular interval of expansion joints. And how could we kind of work with that kind of constructability parameter? Um, we've actually also making a, a pattern that visually can be read when you are walking through it. So even though that scale is quite wide in plan, when you're walking it, it feels, you know, it feels kind of appropriate, um, but open to, you know, additional feedback because it is, um, it is something that we're, as I say, we have explored a lot of different avenues, um, but landed here. I'd really be curious to what the other commissioners think about that. Uh, I mean, that's, that's really my only comment was just a kind of mm -hmm. rhetorical question about that one move. Yeah. Commissioner Schneer, did you have a comment? about it? Yeah, I was just, I uh, was curious what Commissioner Liu thought of it as our resident uh, graphic artist of, of extreme import. So um, I don't mean to put you on the spot necessarily, but I would love to get your two cents worth. Oh, thank you. I mean, thank you, Commissioner Schneer. Um, I, I think it's, it's interesting for me to kind of witnessing the, the, um, more of the practical aspect of it, but also thinking of, you know, the ecology and the integration of the landscape and the ocean, um, and just the the totality of the vibe that we're trying to create here. And I agree with Commissioner Warford. I think that the the color of the material or the the texture of the material somehow should evokes that sense of connection. Um, and, and I think that it's interesting when I look at the the material color at the moment, it seems that it, I'm, I'm trying to feel that sense of, uh, you know, ocean beach, just like looking at it and, and feel that ocean beach feel. And I, I don't think I quite really feel that sense yet. And I'm not sure if it's the color of the material or is it because of the integration 
um, of the shape. And I'm kind of curious also in the future, obviously you're going to have signs and you're going to have um, the actual um, signs and symbols that attach with the architecture itself. I'm kind of curious the color scheme, whether there might be a way to explore, just like Commissioner Warfer said, um, the, the material, obviously you can go with blue or multicolored. Um, I'm, I'm really curious if we could have some, um, like a new connection with the material, especially the color. I think it would, it would evoke a very different sense of uh, of the atmosphere, um, just just through the exploration of the color. On particularly um, of the ground plane, you're, you're talking about. Are you also talking about the walls and other aspects of the of the design? Yeah, I think I think you can start with the ground plane and and mm -hmm. just to see if that's gonna kind of shift the feel of it. Sometimes it could be just very slight shift of color. Mm -hmm. It could it could really create a very different atmosphere. And yeah. if it doesn't, it, it, if, if that one doesn't necessarily convey, and maybe you can, you know, see if there might be a bigger change. I mean, obviously it's gonna take a little bit while to render and I understand, but I think it, it will be worth to explore that for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, I, and I, I, I agree, and that's great um, feedback and input, which we will take, take on and, uh, and explore further. And I think, you know, similarly to the walls, you know, there's, there's a desire for that to be sandblasted from the onset. Uh, and I think the type of aggregate that is actually within that concrete mix, not only for the, for the, um, for the walls, but also for the ground plane, um, should be, should be further explored and, and, uh, looked at as an opportunity to maybe get some of that extra texture and that kind of that feeling of being, you know, on the beach, because um, I know that this stretch of, of of South Ocean Beach and beyond, where there has been a lot of kind of discarded concrete revetment work, which is being removed as part of this project, there is some beauty in some of that wearing and and, and kind of patina that's naturally occurred on on old pieces of concrete, which really is, has some real kind of colour to it. Um, so so I think you're right. There's some there's some nuance there that maybe these renderings aren't really. Um, displaying and I think is worth yeah looking at a little bit more yeah thank you that it has been a great project and I'm just also learning a lot from the architectural perspective but definitely I would love to see if there's any way that color might add extra feel to it so mm -hmm. thank you okay um Commissioner Schneer, did you have any more comment? Your hands? Yes, I, I did because um, after what Commissioner Blue said and the um, uh, and the conversation back and forth, I was and looking at the rendering. Um, you know, the rendering, it, the way you're looking at the stripes as they go across is kind of that sense of the late afternoon light. And talking about the colors and stuff, I'm thinking. It might be really worthwhile to go out there, you know, the late afternoon, the magic hour, as I call it, just before mm -hmm. sunset and see what the colors are doing there. It might help you in terms of how you create your palette. That was all. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That That's it. a great idea. Well, I was listening to all your comments about this too. And um, I, it's, it's challenging as has been discussed because the scale seems to fit the sky and the ocean. Um, at the same time, for me, there's two things. One is where it meets at the zoo at the entrance and the, at the end feels a little bit clunky. 
I'm sorry, that's just the word that comes to mind. I didn't mean it in a pejorative way, but it just feels like it, it needs to be finessed better. And then um, while uh, Commissioner Liu was talking, I was looking at the restroom, which I think is absolutely beautiful. Um, and the dark wood there, it might be nice that the colors defer a little bit, not compete with it. Mm -hmm. um, because that is really special and a special point on the walk. And the I, colors I, that are at least shown here are very strong. Yeah, so, I think that's something we're definitely willing to, to look at. Um, and one of the thoughts on, on the Akoya wood itself is that, you know, given the type of maintenance that this will receive, which is none, uh, it's going to become silvery quite soon. Um, mm -hmm. And so perhaps we actually even just start with that silvery gray that it will weather to as a, as a stain, just as an initial protection, um, and then just allow it to, uh, to, to, to reach that phase as it weathers um, in, into that silvery gray color. Um, and then, you know, as, as James and I have discussed before about the the concrete the, itself, whether it's for the sinuous wall or the restroom wall, I think, you know, looking at the colors of the sand specifically that's on the beach, you know, Ocean Beach has a very specific sand color. It's, it's um, there's actually a lot of black and gray pigment within that sand and within those particles. So, you know, playing with that and studying that, um, I think as the, uh, as the material, I think is going to be uh, the next phase of development we need to do. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, thank you. It seems to me that if the, the weathering will be silvery, that the color on the pavement needs to really be carefully coordinated with that building. So um, I have a comment or a question. Um, oh, and overall, I, I just think this is a beautiful design. I love the planting. It's going to be wonderful. You've all worked really hard to make this work. And I think it's just going to be a splendid place to go. I can't wait to go. Um, but there's a, a couple of questions that have been raised, and that includes lighting, uh, detail on the um, the seat wall with the for skateboards and color of the paving and how that patterning might be. So I'm wondering, commissioners, if you think that we should pass this with some contingencies and possibly a informal meeting related to some of these items. What are your thoughts? And then I'll call for a motion. I I would agree, Commissioner Stryker. I think that's really thoughtful. To call for uh, phase two pass and a, or and a yeah with the specific exactly with the specific contingencies. Okay, and also let me add stairs because I was looking forward to seeing how those stairs that we had talked about last time were resolved, and I didn't get to see any. Yeah, sorry, we were, that. we were still in progress of that. So okay, so we will need to see that then. So let me call for a motion. Um, do we have a motion to approve phase two review of the Ocean Beach Climate Change Adaptation Project with the following contingencies that we have an informal meeting um, where the um, some commissioners meet with the team to discuss paving and patterning and color, lighting, and the uh, beach seat wall for skateboard. Um, issues and the stair and the stair thank you for that and to look at the stair so i have a motion second second all in favor 
Oh, hold on, hold on. Do we have any public comment on this? Oh yeah, right. We really dove into this deeply. So let's have a public comment first in case we have some more things to think about. Uh, if you're already listening to this meeting via the web link, please raise your hand. If you're calling by phone, press star three to be placed in the queue. Please press only once since pressing it more than once will remove you from the queue. Instructions are on screen. We are currently on item four, Ocean Beach Climate Change Adaptation Project. As a reminder, your time will start when you begin speaking. You will see a visual timer if you're listening in via WebEx and will be given a 30 second audible warning. You will be muted once your time is up. However, you may stay on the line if you wish to speak on other items on the agenda. Any individual who speaks during a public comment period at today's meeting may supply a brief written summary of the comments to be included in the minutes if it is 150 words or less to art-info.sfgov.org. Um, and I do not see any hands raised. Um, give it another minute. Uh, there's no more, or there is no public comment for this item. Public comment is now closed. Okay, thank you. So um, there's a motion on the table. There was a first and a second. Call for a vote, please. Uh, Commissioner Stryker. Aye. Commissioner Liu. Aye. Commissioner, Commissioner Shiota. Aye. Commissioner Schneer. Aye. Commissioner Wilford. Aye. Uh, the motion passes unanimously with the uh, previously mentioned contingencies. Thank you. Looks Thank great. You and we look forward to having this last conversation with you. Great. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right. Thank, Thank you, you, team. Nice yeah, job. Thank you all. Okay. Yeah, Bye. it's Bye, beautiful. Everybody. All right. Coming up is uh, item number five, and that's the Buchanan Street Mall. And this project's coming to us in uh, a single phase. It's a single review. Team, are you ready? Yes, we are. And just a reminder, you'll have 20 minutes to present, and I'll give you a three-minute warning when your time is nearly done. Great. Thanks, Paris. Um, hi, commissioners. My name is Lauren Chavez. I am a project manager with Rec and Park um, for the Buchanan Street Mall project. And um, I do want to just clarify that we are doing this in a single phase review, but you'll probably remember the informational review and the Turk to Golden Gate block that we um, presented to you in September of 2021. So um, today we're going to do a quick overview of the full five blocks of Buchanan Street Mall and talk through, um, also do a quick overview of the Turk to Golden Gate block, and then spend most of our pre presentation time sharing with you the details for the two additional blocks that are going to be built as part of phase one construction, which include the Eddie to Turk block to the north and the McAllister to Fulton block. So you can move through the first five or six slides pretty quickly, please, Brett. This is our wonderful project team, um, primarily collaborating with Public Works and the Public Utilities Commission on this project. Keep going. 
Um, Buchanan Street Mall is in the Western Edition, which is a historically diverse neighborhood in the city, and that has experienced dramatic change over time. Um, the Harlem, Harlem of the West, with a large portion of the Japanese population being displaced during internment, the neighborhood being completely transformed with urban renewal in the 60s and 70s, and um, the mall falling into disrepair and due to underinvestment for many decades until the community really came together to create a new vision for, for their park and for their neighborhood and have done a lot of wonderful networking, community building, project building, program development work um, in association with this park renovation project. So go ahead, Brett. Um, this is the mall as it was most recently renovated in, um, in the 90s and a little bit in the early 2000s. Um, lots of asphalt. You can see the temporary installations that our community partners installed in the upper right photo here. Gardens, audio domes, seating areas. Um, you can see that the there's outdated playground equipment and um, that there's sort of small areas surrounded by concrete. Go ahead, Brett. Thank you. So um, as I mentioned, there's been extensive community engagement on this project, um, primarily driven by our local partners, Citizen Film and Green Streets, with support from the Trust for Public Land and a whole host of other local organizations that, um, that have been involved over the years. Um, the vision, visioning work was originally begun in 2014-2015. Um, I mentioned those temporary activations. You can go ahead, Brett. And then a vision plan was published in 2017 after continual events and activations of the space and um, youth interviewing elders and people, people really coming together to think about what, what this park could be what the neighborhood could be moving forward into the future. We did some extensive work with the community around the conceptual design, which was approved by our Rec and Park Commission in April 2020. Go ahead, Brett. Um, and then I will say that since that conceptual design has been approved, we have we've continued collaborating with the community and, and really um, double checking some of the earlier engagement work for each block by block um, as we have done design refinement to get to the schematic design that we're sharing with you today. Um, so just really quickly, our um, this slide shows in red, highlights the area for phase one. As you can see, we're doing these three blocks and also improving the, the right of way with additional green infrastructure through a partnership with the Public Utilities Commission that will enhance um, safety and beautification in the, in the neighborhood at each of these four intersecting streets. Um, please read through the project goals. It's, um, there's really a, a lot going on with this project and um, with, with the park renovations at the heart of it. I do want to draw your attention to the memory walk, which is this um, kind of yellow ribbon that 
um, orange yellow ribbon in this concept plan that carries through all five blocks of the mall. Um, gardens, rain gardens, new lighting. Um, I will mention briefly that there is a plan for micro enterprise kiosks on the middle three blocks, which um, we discussed with you back in September. We don't yet have a design for those. We once once we have funding and a design, we will be bringing those kiosks back to you before installing any permanent structures on um, on the mall. And um, also the memory walk that I mentioned will be coming back to civic design review. We're currently estimating at the end of the summer um, once we work with our memory walk consultant and the community to further uh, define what the what the paving will look like on that through line that will eventually continue from the north to the south end of Buchanan Street Mall. Go ahead, Brett. So just very quickly, um, a reminder of the key program elements that are on each of these blocks. This is the northern block from Eddie to Turk. Um, there is a half basketball and multi-use sports court some picnic tables and barbecue grills, a young children's play area, um, and a young children's play area, as well as that memory walk. Go ahead. Um, Turk to Golden Gate, again, previously reviewed, but we'll look at it briefly today. Um, there is a older kids play area, a sports, uh, an adult and senior exercise court, a flexible plaza with a raised platform stage, uh, communal garden area and two clusters of table seating areas. Go ahead. The Golden Gate to McAllister block is not being reviewed today. That will come to you um, in the future, but I will announce that we did just receive a grant, uh, a, a federal grant through the National Park Service that we will, uh, that closes our funding gap. So we will be moving forward with phase two um, moving into design hopefully later this year. But this block has a full basketball court surrounded by, by seating and seat walls and a, a larger barbecue and picnic area. Go ahead. Um, today we'll also be sharing details, the schematic plan for McAllister to Fulton block, which contains communal gardens with bench seating, some storage containers, a stage with a shade structure and lighting, a large lawn um, that's raked towards the stage, and a small plaza with table seating and the featured art area. And then the final block to the south, um, Fulton to Grove, there's another lawn area, a seating area with tables and chairs, a community table, an area for food truck parking, and another communal garden with bench seating. Okay, um, funding this entire project is over $27 million. Um, as I mentioned, we're, we have many partners, we have many grants, um, and uh, we're super thankful for all of the support that's allowing this, this uh, renovation to move forward. Go ahead, pass it off to you, Brett. Okay, thank you. Um, my name is uh, Brett Demeray, and I'm a landscape architect with Public Works, uh, the design lead for this project. Uh, and also on the team is Winnie Chang, uh, landscape designer. Um, so I'll take you through just a quick recap of the Turk to Golden Gate block um, phase one approval from September of last year. 
Um, so this was the plan um, uh, where we advanced the designs that Lawrence went through um, to the uh, schematic level for this block um, and where we um, continued the programmatic goals that were set through the community meetings, but began to um, dig into the details of the, the materials and the furnishings uh, and the way that some of these things came together. Um, so the, the big move in this is our um, memory walk uh, on the west side here, um, which will be designed, uh, at least the finishes will be um, designed by um, another landscape architect uh, hired by uh, Recreation and Parks. Um, our multi-use playground and fitness area and our um, picnic and informal stage area, community garden and plaza, and then rain gardens uh, at each end for that green infrastructure um, related to the right-of-way improvements. And our family of furnishings uh, that we showed to you um, using a combination of uh, durable materials, um, metals and um, wood decking, um, uh, swing benches, um, bicycle racks and having all of these really relate to each other um, in this kind of family uh, and then uh, bollards as well um, at the endpoints uh, to the park. Our lighting system, so our standards here, our pedestrian pole lighting on uh, this block, the catenary system, and then ambient lighting um, also uh, integrated into the seat wall benches. And for our surface material palette, um, we, we will have a lot of pervious concrete uh, on this uh, project um, because we have great infiltration rates. Um, we'll also have some decorative exposed aggregate concrete. Um, and then in this block, we have our synthetic turf in the playground and our, uh, our wood decking um, as well. So uh, the Turk uh, Street to Eddy Street block uh, schematic design is um, New, this is the um, northernmost block. It's um, a half block um, smaller than uh, uh, the typical blocks like we just looked at. Um, and so this was the site programming and circulation uh, diagram that we um, put together working with the community and Lauren um, and the other um, uh, stakeholders involved. And that was really looking at um, how to make this, how to make the memory walk weave through the space deal with a uh, pretty significant grade change in the center of the park and then kind of anchor the site between the two major program areas. Um, one being this um, under six playground on Turk Street and the other being a multi-use sports court and kind of a barbecue picnic area uh, on the north side and um, really looking also at how to merge these two spaces to support um, the kind of social interactions that we heard from the community happen um, on this space uh, with large groups. And so that was ultimately advanced uh, to this plan here. Um, so um, thinking about, uh, as I mentioned, the this um, sports court perhaps being striped for two different uh, types of uh, sports, making it more usable, having it relate to um, this barbecue and picnic area um, along the side here to create sort of a, a plaza type space and really allowing this to open up and um, uh, promote um, larger events. Um, connecting uh, that upper level here um, using a, um, a switchback pathway um, that would be accessible, um, the accessible path would travel down to the lower level here. Um, and then those terraces being planted and using um, recycled or salvaged curbs from the existing mall as well. 
um, and then our uh, our playground here, and this is really the under six playground, so it's fully contained. Uh, it has um, a combination of fences and walls um, to contain that space. Uh, and then one last thing is we have our green infrastructure um, up on the Eddy Street uh, connecting side. So just a section to show that grade change here and how we're we're going up uh, about five feet um, from uh, the south side to the north side and using our um, switchback pathway to provide that accessible path of travel. And our surface materials, um, continuing our um, palette um, that was approved from um, the Turk to Golden Gate block, but in this uh, case, adding the sports court and also those um, salvaged stone curbs as well. And then our same family of furnishings, and in this case, adding to it um, barbecue grills. And then the uh, playground equipment, um, which is um, based on community input from um, meetings and a survey um, and is still somewhat evolving, but this equipment represents the types of activities that we heard um, people are looking for in this space. And then our palette of lighting. Um, and then in this block, <clears throat> potentially adding pedestrian bollard lighting along that switchback pathway where it would be more difficult uh, to access uh, the taller fixtures um, for, for maintenance. And then a rendering here showing um, the experience of walking in um, from the south side uh, looking toward the north. Um, so that uh, children's uh, under six children's playground on the left here are um, switch back pathway, um, winding up toward the top uh, of the block in the back. And then the opposing view, um, looking south from the, um, the Eddy street side where we have, um, our kind of uh, plaza type space with the, um, picnic tables and benches relating to the, uh, the sports court, um, in this case, a half court basketball, um, and then, um, potentially striped or something like pickleball, um, as well. And then our green infrastructure providing that edge uh, along the uh, the street. So um, now I'll take you to the McAllister Street to Fulton Street block. So this is moving south. This is the um, the uh, I guess four blocks down. Um, it's second to last if you're heading south. And so this um, this is the art the performing arts. Um, uh, programmed block. Um, it relates to the African American Arts and Culture Center, which is um, just to the the west of this block. Um, and so, in this case, what we're really looking at are the relationships between um, a stage and uh, performance space at the heart of this block, um, with a lawn that provides informal uh, seating and the experience to to view um, performances on that stage, um, and then. Uh, the transition of that lawn to um, a plaza space uh, that relates to the memory walk um, and opens up to it um, with opportunities to sit and to uh, also place artwork that could be prominently featured um, and then flanking uh, each end of this block with our green infrastructure elements um, a micro enterprise kiosk would be added on the fulton street side and program gardens also on the McAllister street side and then our, our memory Sorry walk. to interrupt, but you have three minutes remaining. Okay, I'll move quickly here. Um, so just our rendering and plan view to show um, how that space has evolved through the schematic design process. 
and some sections here showing um, the transition from uh, this kind of upper lawn that's uh, up about two feet and then sloping down. Um, and then our stage structure um, that's up about 18 inches above grade. Our family of furnishings, we'll be adding some um, storage containers, which are an opportunity for a mural. Our uh, surface material palette would be applied here as well. Uh, lighting, we would be introducing a stage up lighting um, at the overhead canopy above the stage. And a rendering to show um, that view from the top of the lawn toward that um, stage and canopy structure. And then uh, the plaza space that I mentioned, um, opening up to the memory walk, um, providing a place to gather and also uh, feature um, artwork. And just to note that uh, this is um, um, depicting uh, you know, a public art component that, that is to be determined. We're just using um, the portrait of a phenomenal woman by Lava Thomas here um, as an example of something that we felt could relate um, to this uh, programming on this block. And that is it. Thanks so much, Brett. Sorry, I'm yapping away with my unmute. Um, Deputy Director Lee, I have a question. It's my understanding that we're seeing this as a single review because most of the uh, materials are um, purchased and um, there are most of, and our agreement through our guidelines is that most of these purchased materials, except for a few elements like paving, et cetera, that those will not be reviewed. Am I missing anything? Um, Commissioner Stryker, that's uh, partially true. This project first came to us um, as a single review for that first block. Um, with the memory kiosk and everything. And at that point, I believe, um, and Lauren can correct me, um, that the project sponsor thought that they, you know, they were still raising money for the other blocks and didn't think that we would be seeing them as quickly as we are. So uh, kudos to the project team for mm -hmm. um, moving this project along so quickly. And um, I'm sure, you know, it's wonderful to see and these improvements. Um, I think we're gonna need to, I think we can, well, um, if the committee um, wishes to move forward and approve the second block of the project, um, I think we can look at that and then we can um, kind of look back. I can discuss it with Lauren on how to proceed with the other uh, the other blocks because they are coming to us fast and it was more than we thought we were going to do under a single review. Um, okay, and I do remember when we saw it before there was a discussion of cohesion between the blocks yes. and it looks like that's happening very yes. nicely. Okay, let me throw out uh, comments or questions for comments from our committee members. So, Commissioner Shiota. Thank you. Thank you for the presentation. It, it looks great and it is that's a massive project. That's a lot, a lot to tackle. Um, just a couple of things um, in terms of the budget. Does that include a maintenance budget for 
the plazas and or is that separate um i'm sure there's different um departments that deal with different different things uh so that that's one question the other question i had was um is there any accommodation for pets um or or animals um like uh doggy social areas or I, I can't remember I see the water I see the fountain in the back and some fountains have two you know two a uh, handicapped in um, standing and then there's sometimes there's a third with a pet station obviously I'm a dog owner so um, I ask I don't I don't know what that community you know that area asked for in particular um, and then uh, with the stage is there infrastructure in the stage or do you are you imagining that that anything like if they were going to do amplified sound or anything like that, there would be people bringing in outside um, equipment and uh, lighting, AV, et cetera, for that? Those are, I guess, functional question programming questions. Yeah, that's, um, those are great questions. Brett, I'm going to take a pass if that's all right. And you just let me know if afterwards if there's anything you want to add. Um, in terms of maintenance funding, um, I am. I will just say that our our operational funding and just general park maintenance is is definitely not included in the capital budget. Our current twenty seven million also does not has not yet identified the conserve conservatorship or is that what it's called conserving funds for artworks that will be along the memory walk. Um, again, the memory walk is a. It's sort of a separate and parallel integrated process to the overall park design. And we are just, we will soon in the next couple of weeks be um, announcing our memory walk consultant and plan on starting to work with them at the, at the very end of this month. Um, so one of the things that is on our radar is needing to, as we continue to raise money for additional artwork, Right now, the memory walk is only funded for the northern two blocks between Eddy and Golden Gate. Um, but as so as we continue to raise money to, in order to do decorative paving and art and interpretive elements along the memory walk, we are looking at um, also needing to raise funds in order to maintain that artwork over time. And I have had conversations with our Rec and Park operations maintenance teams and with the Arts Commission staff around possibilities for who owns and maintains artwork. Um, and all of that artwork will be going through the Visual Arts Committee and our Rec and Park Commission as we, as we get there in the process. Um, I will just roll into dogs and um, pet accommodations. So this is something that we've talked about with the community a bit as well. I think we've identified the southern block, the lawn on the southernmost block is sort of the most ideal for like a more like a pet relief area potentially. Um, uh, dogs are of course allowed on, you know, anywhere in the park on leash. Um, and we are in conversation with our operations teams around what is appropriate in terms of doggy water bowls at the drinking fountains. Um, my understanding is that currently we have those only where we have designated dog play areas, not um, not everywhere else. So it's something we're, we're still in, in consideration around. Um, 
stage uh, amplified sound and equipment. So as Brett mentioned, we are planning on having some some uplighting, some ambient lighting on that stage. Um, and we have uh, some another grant pending to that would potentially allow us to have additional lighting and sound equipment. Um, though I will also mention that we're in conversation with our permitting division and with several performing arts stakeholders in the local community around um, what the what the exact needs are for that space and um, how to how to set that up so that it's um, meets current needs and is also flexible for for future potential needs. Thank you. And and the artwork in the park may or may not become part of the civic art collection. Is that and that's to be determined? Is that? Is that yeah. Correct? Yeah. That's yeah. To, exactly. That's correct. Okay. Thanks. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Commissioner Schneer. Hi. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, well, well, first of all, congratulations on getting your funding. That's just awesome. That's amazing. And this is an incredibly needed uh, project that looks like it's going to be a wonderful asset for the community. So applause and, and hats off to you for that, really. Um, it's great. Um, a couple of questions. Um, I, I understand what you were saying about the memory walk and the art budget, but is there an art budget for uh, a piece of art besides the memory walk as you're showing here in this rendering or how is that working? Um, yeah, so the Northern, we have, we currently have about $500,000 for artwork on the Northern two blocks through okay. um, a statewide parks grant through Prop 68 that is coming through our partner, the Trust for Public Land. Okay. And so that is intended to fund um, a few pieces of artwork on those northern two blocks. Okay, but that's that's through them or that's through us as the Arts Commission? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Um, yeah, so uh, I know it's complicated. I've <laughs> yeah. had many phone calls to try and figure this out. So my understanding is that because there's no buildings on this park, and um, you know the micro enterprise kiosks are you know small hundred square foot sort of functional spaces that we are hoping to build in the future. Um, there's no arts enrichment funding, and so it's uh, there's still the art that would be in the park is still public art, but it has a but Rec and Park with the trust for the trust for public land will be managing that process in collaboration with Rec and Park for these first set of artworks on the northern two blocks. Okay. And then as yeah. you were explaining with uh, Commissioner Shiota, then it will, you don't know who's going to be in charge of the conservatorship of these artworks. Yeah, right now our understanding is that, um, you know, everyone is, uh, I, I understand that, that funding for maintenance is um, is very minimal and we're trying to trying to figure that figure that out <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah right now our understanding is that the artwork would be owned by Rec and Park and maintained by us or by a third party partner and we again are very open to continuing the conversation with the Arts Commission if there are if it makes sense to have any of it go into the public art collection. Right. 
it's yeah. kind of hard when we haven't been if we're not going to be involved in the full process to have that happen but whatever this is a very unusual complicated type of structure here so i get it um i i did have another question for you uh what about bicycles going through here have you had that thought yeah we have um uh, you know, that's actually something that I flagged uh, just a couple of weeks ago in conversation with with some park users. Um, most of we are anticipating that most of the traffic through here is going to be pedestrian traffic, though bicycles do currently use the mall. So it's something that we're kind of just starting to look at. Um, there is a narrower, for sure, pedestrian path on the east side. The memory walk itself is quite a bit wider, but it's not intended to have, you know, uh, it's not intended for for bicycle, for bicycles. So I think right now we'll probably end. I think currently the way we're thinking of it, will it will be like, you know, it's a park space. Walk your bikes. Okay, because it's uh, if you're going to have the memory walk, um, and I think also with everybody that more and more people commuting and using the wiggle and everything else that this is something that people might see cyclists might see as a way to get around. Um, so it's just something to keep in mind. If you don't want to have bicycles there, then you got to kind of figure out how to deal with that from your design standpoint. I'm not saying for or against. I'm just asking the questions and throwing out potential issues. That's all. Thank you. And good luck. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Commissioner Liu. Thank you, Commissioner Stryker. And uh, yeah, this is great uh, progress. And it was really amazing to see how you presented in, uh, is it October last year until now? It, and congratulations for the founding. I just have a quick question around uh, the memory walk. I was particularly interested uh, in the execution of that, because I saw the lighting and it's really exciting to see there'll be lighting components integrating into, um, you know, the, the whole space. And I'm kind of curious, um, is there any sort of specific thought about the lighting incorporating with the memory walk so far? Uh, do you want to? <laughs> Do you want me to that that one? Uh, uh, you, yeah, you can go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so I, can you, are you still seeing my screen here? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So with the lighting palette, um, we have, we're using this pedestrian pole light as our standard throughout the entire mall for, for consistency. And, um, we know this is a vetted fixture because it's a, it's a PUC standard as well. Mm -hmm. Um, we have that really placed, um, we have them placed to light the memory walk from above uh, and really the entire model. We've been looking closely at the photo metrics in terms of safety because that's been flagged by the community as a, as a really um, priority issue. Yeah. Um, we, we don't have any lighting specifically integrated like, like ground level lighting in the memory walk. Um, and we've really at this point left it, um, you know, we know the dimensions that we need as a minimum because it serves as a maintenance path, but in terms of any further design, um, because that's being done by another landscape architect, we haven't really done very much with it. Um, we know that there will be bollards integrated into the endpoints to control access into the space, but, but at this point, um, we haven't we haven't advanced it that far, um, so it would be interesting to see what um, 
what happens with this as uh, the other uh, designer comes on board. Yeah, thanks, Brett. And I will just mention that our memory walk consultant does have a, a, a lighting designer sub consultant. So that is something that we are. Oh, you know, we're looking at how how to have some accent lighting at artwork locations. That's great. Yeah, the reason why I'm asking is I knew that this is very early stage and I would love to sort of invite uh, the opportunity to have the color integration with the lighting just because it's called the memory walk. And I do think that it will be very beneficial to have the introduction of the lighting in cooperation with the colors if there will be some artworks in the memory walk or whether there might be some introduction of the audio component in a, in a memory walk in the future. Uh, so yeah, I just wanna sort of um, mention this in advance uh, in case that could be incorporated into the actual experience. Thank you. Thank you. Great work. Cheers. Thank you. And Commissioner Wolford. Commissioner Wolford. I was just going to share. I think it's going to be a, a wonderful addition to San Francisco. And thanks to everyone for on the team who's pulled this together. And then really a question for you, Commissioner Stryker and Deputy Director Lee. I have to excuse myself because the meeting ran long and I need to travel to my next appointment. If I excuse myself, will you all still have quorum? I believe we do. We have four, four commissioners left. Yes, I believe three commissioners are quorum for us. Okay, great. I'm going to excuse myself. Wonderful job. And I, if I were here, I would vote to uh, support it. <laughs> okay. And thank you. Thanks for letting us know. Thank you. And uh, Commissioner Shiota, do you have another comment? I don't. I'm sorry. I, I just, no I'm learning how to use a computer for the first time, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, I just wanted to say, wow. I think all of us are feeling this. Wow, what a fabulous project and in such an important place where it will be used so so well by so many people. And um, it's all very exciting to see this and I'm thrilled to see all the funding come in and that's because of the wonderful design that you've put together. Um, I, I also was wondering how the maintenance would be because I think it'll be heavily used and so that would be an important item. And um, also looking at how it's held together in the design and the the moves from block to block and each different kind of user group is is um, considered. It's really just terrific. One thing that I think um, would be important to be conscious of, and I'm sure you already are and are thinking about it already and discussing, but potential conflicts. For instance, the soundstage might be very noisy for some people living in the apartments nearby. So that would need to be a consideration. I know um, I live near Dolores Park and sometimes there's conflicts with people and dogs and in a small park that might be even more so. So ways of thinking about how to deal with that. Um, bicycles was mentioned and then um, let's see what else was mentioned that could be a I think I think that was it. There could be potential conflicts. So as you're massaging your um, details of your design, uh, you might want to keep those in mind. Um, overall, I think that the things that the commissioners mentioned have been 
um, were terrific, and I'll just list them for you to be mindful of. The bicycle issues, conflicts, pet conflicts, stage sound conflicts, the memory walk, possibly integrate or consider how you would integrate lighting and color with the art and um, possibly sound and audio or audio. <laughs> and um, I thought those were all great ideas. So um, let's call for public comment. Uh, if you're already listening to this meeting via the web link, please raise your hand. If you're calling by phone, press star three to be placed in the queue. Please press only once since pressing it more than once will remove you from the queue. Instructions are on the screen. We are currently on item number five, Buchanan Street Mall. As a reminder, your time will start when you begin speaking. You will see a visual timer if you're listening in via WebEx and will be given a 30 second audible warning. You'll be muted once your time is up. However, you may stay in the line if you wish to speak on other items on the agenda. Any individual who speaks during a public comment period at today's meeting may supply a brief uh, written summary uh, sorry, of the comments to be included in the minutes if it is 150 words or less to art-info at sfgov.org. Uh, and I see we have a hand raised. Um, so, uh, speaker, I will go ahead and um, unmute you and the there will be a timer on the screen. Uh, and the request has been sent. My name is Ariella Levitt and I work with Trust for Public Land and I wanted to speak in support of this wonderful project. Um, we're a committed partner to the project and have been really pleased with the way that public works has been receiving public input and has been really working with the community to refine the design and create a really consistent design throughout the five blocks. And we're really excited to continue working on this project. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Any other public comment? I don't see any other hands raised. Um, so public uh, public comment is now closed. Okay, um, thank you. Commissioners, do we have a motion to approve phase one single review of the Buchanan Street Mall? So moved, Commissioner Chenier. Do we have Second. a second? Thank you, can we have a vote please? Yes, uh, Commissioner Stryker. Aye. Commissioner Liu. Aye. Commissioner Shioda? Aye. Commissioner Schneer? Aye. And Commissioner Wolford has left the meeting early. Uh, so the motion passes unanimously. Fantastic. Congratulations, team. And I just wanted to note that it, this is a wonderful result of three important agencies working so well together with the community and nonprofit groups that are supportive. And what an incredible effort all of you are making and I can't wait to see the park go for a stroll. So thank, thank you so much. Thank you. Congratulations. So let's move to item number six and that's the staff report which will be given by Deputy Director of Programs Joanne Lee. Thank you. Good afternoon commissioners. Um, we had one informal on May 6th to follow up on the comments for the Southeast Treatment Plant Biosolids Facility Project. 
This project was before this committee on February 14th for a post phase three review, and the project was approved and asked to return for an informal meeting to discuss the treatment on the digesters and the landscape plaza design and the pavers. So the updates that we received is that they, um, the project team presented a revised plaza design and they are continuing to focus on the refinement of the materials. They'll be using 12 by 24 pavers with gray tones and using a precast concrete in French gray tones for the planters and the benches. Um, they'll be adding more colorful plants that are low maintenance and durable. Um, the plant colors will focus on like yellows and reds to complement the gray and the blue tones of the plaza. They will be doing a photometric study on the proposed spacing of the lights there. There will not be any lights in the planters as those are difficult to maintain. And then as for the design for the digester tanks, the graphics will be revised to respond to the commissioner comments. And the team will have a separate meeting with um, Mary Chu, our director of public art. Um, the second thing I just wanted to let you know is that we were recently notified of some changes to the gate for the Chinatown subway station project. And so this project was approved in February, but the project team has contacted us um, and they've had to make some changes on the um, on the gate and commissioners Wolford and Stryker briefly reviewed the drawings that were presented and have requested a uh, um, an informal meeting with the project team. So we'll be scheduling that shortly. So that concludes my report. Um, happy to take any questions. Thank you. Any comments or questions, commissioners? Any public comment? Comments? Um, if you're already listening to this meeting via the web link, please raise your hand. If you're calling by phone, press star three to be placed in the queue. Please press only once since pressing it more than once will remove you from the queue. Instructions are on the screen. We're currently on item six, staff report. As a reminder, your time will start when you begin speaking. You will see a visual timer if you're listening in via WebEx and will be given a 30 second audible warning. You'll be muted once your time is up. However, you may stay in the line if you wish to speak on other items on the agenda. Any individual who speaks during a public comment period at today's meeting may supply a brief written summary of the comments to be included in the minutes if it is 150 words or less to art-info at sfgov.org. Um, I don't see any hands raised. Um, there's no public comment for this item and public comment is now closed. Okay, thank you. Then let's move on to item number seven, which is new business and announcements. Commissioners, do you have any new business or announcements you'd like to share? Seeing none, do we have any public comment on this item, number seven? Uh, if you're already listening to this meeting uh, via the web link, uh, please raise your hand. If you're calling by phone, press star three to be placed in the queue. Please press only once since pressing it more than once will remove you from the queue. Instructions are on screen. You're currently on item seven, new business and announcements. As a reminder, your time will start when you begin speaking. You will see a timer if you're listening in via WebEx and will be given a 30 second audible warning. 
will be muted once your time is up. However, you may stay on the line if you wish to speak on other items. Any individual who speaks during a public comment period at today's meeting may supply a brief written summary of the comments to be included in the minutes if it is 150 words or less to art-info at sfgov.org. And I don't see any hands raised. Uh, there's no public comment for this item and public comment is now closed. Okay, that moves us to item number eight, which is adjournment. So thanks everyone for sticking around. It was a long meeting today, but really great conversation. Wonderful comments from everyone. So thank you. And we'll thanks see you all. Soon. Good to see you. Bye. Take care. Bye. Take Have care. Everyone. Bye. Good meeting. Bye.